Hello my friends, this is Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you are having a good day. Yesterday we shared about the, uh, the faith of the Roman centurion who came to Jesus and that his faith was really his understanding of spiritual authority. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, uh, we, we actually are talking about the, uh, the healing ministry of Jesus and this whole series that I'm doing it's about the realities of redemption, what Christ has done for us upon the cross of Calvary. And at first we talked about the new birth, the power of the new birth, what it means to be a new creation in Christ and uh, the transformation in, in the inner man. And then now we are talking about healing because healing is an integral part, a very important part of the gospel because the Bible says that Jesus bore our sins and he also carried our diseases and by his stripes we are healed. So we are talking about that and in that, uh, because it's such a big subject, we are talking about the healing ministry of Jesus and that's where we are at because Jesus Christ is our best example when it comes to preaching, teaching, healing the sick, casting out demons. Jesus is our best example. It's good to study his example, how he did things. And uh, so, you know, but uh, before I go into, uh, into uh, today's lesson, I want to share with you, you know, like I do every day, a little testimony. And this is from India. I remember this was my first crusade I did in India. I was, uh, I'd just come out of Bible college uh, in, in the U.S. and I was now teaching at a Bible college in Sweden, took some of my students and I went to India. And we went to this place where uh, uh, it was a, a Hindu stronghold of Hindu extremists and and I had been told in South India and I had been told that nobody had been able to start a church there so my hosts they took me there and uh, one night I don't remember whether it was the second or third night uh, um, in those days you know I used to go instead of praying a mass prayer I used to go into the crowd and lay hands on the sick so I was doing that and a woman came with this little girl about 10 11 years old and this girl was, I mean, she was weeping. This was her daughter and says she's born with these useless legs, can't stand, can't walk, has no feeling in those legs. They were completely dead and they hung from her body like stick, like pencils or matchsticks. That's what they looked like to me. And she says, please pray. Uh, and and uh, I really didn't know what to do because, you know, I wasn't very experienced. Uh, uh, um, but uh, what I did was that I, I just... Uh, took the little girl by her hips or her upper part of her leg, I think it was the hips. And I remember I looked up at the sky and uh, it was a dark Indian night and there were stars in the sky. And I remember crying out to God at the top of my voice. I said, oh God of Elijah, God who raised Jesus from the dead, send down your power and heal this little girl in the name of Jesus. And the moment I said that, it was like a flame of fire hit me uh, and it went into my shoulders from my head to my shoulders and right down my arms into my hands and it went into the little girl's body and I remember I literally shook like this and in an instant that girl's legs came to life and she was healed we put her on the ground and she began to walk and she was perfectly whole for the first time in her life she was walking and uh, now the mother was hysterical because the girl had been healed. But anyway, I, uh, I came back to uh, the house where we were staying, the pastor's home. And I remember I saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, you can do in one millisecond what 
people can try to achieve for for in, you know in days or months or a lifetime you can do in one millisecond this was such an amazing miracle lord i want to see more of this and the lord said this is because you had been in my presence uh that i could do because you you had had spent time because I'd spent time in prayer in God's presence and uh, and because my, my being was permeated with his presence because I had been in the presence and and the Lord said that's why I can do this but he said but I cannot do this all the time I want to but I cannot because the human human condition is not designed to hold that kind of power all the time and i said lord what do you mean the lord said i want to move but i will move at times like this and i just want you to be in my presence uh because when those time comes those times come you are ready but you can't walk around with it all the time because uh, you are flesh and blood and through the baptism of the holy spirit you have a measure of that resurrection power but the fullness you shall have when you come to heaven and you uh you are with me and you shall be just like me because the bible says that one day we shall stand with him before him and we shall look him face to face and we shall be just like him and that is the blessed hope of the gospel and that is when we shall have the fullness of who jesus is in us and we shall just be like him we shall be identical to him but from that this day where we are today to that day it's a journey it's a journey of faith and as we behold his face we go from glory to glory and we experience more and more of his resurrection life and his resurrection power so let us keep on believing god that god will move in and through our lives more and more and more even though our lives and ministries are not perfect we keep on pressing forward in faith and believing god and staying at the feet of jesus god bless you so anyway i want to share today um i want to share with you you know we talked about uh, the centurion now i'm going to read to you from mark chapter 1 verses 32 to 34 and then it says and at even when or the evening when the sun did set they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed by the devils and all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and he suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him so anyway this was one story the evening came and they brought everybody who was sick and people who were possessed by demons and he healed them and he cast out devils now then in mark 6 it says verses 2 to 6 and when the sabbath day was come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him this was actually in his hometown in nazareth Many hearing him were astonished saying from whence has this man such things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands is not this the carpenter the son of mary the brother of james and joseph and of juda and simon are not his sisters here with us and they were offended at him but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house and he could do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching now this is interesting because it says that uh, he came to his own hometown and the people there Uh, they you know because they were familiar familiar with him and they said who is this what is this wisdom that has been given to him that even such mighty works are wrought by these hands 
by his hand. Now, this is interesting because we acknowledge one thing, that the mighty works of Jesus that came from his hands were connected, were indirect, um, directly correspondent to the wisdom that God has given him. You might not be able to make the connection between the wisdom of God and the miracle working power of God, but they are connected. Let us seek the heart and the wisdom of God. And when we seek the heart and the wisdom of God, we will also see the miraculous power of God. But the story here is that they, they said, it's not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah, Judah and Simon are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. And so they were offended at him because they knew him, Jesus, the son of Mary, who was the, who was the carpenter. His carpentry shop was down the street and he went to school with us. And who does he think he is? ministering and preaching and healing the sick. Who does he think he, he think he is? What makes him special? We know him. And, and it says they were offended at him. And the result of that was that he could not do any mighty works except, uh, except he could do a few, he could heal a few sickly people. That's what the Greek actually means. He could, he laid his hands on a few people. So he could not do his mighty works, but a few sickly people. Uh, and this was just because they were offended at him. They were offended uh, because of their unbelief, because uh, that this is a kind of unbelief which is a result of familiarity, which is a result of familiarity. There's an old saying in, English, in the English language, it says familiarity breeds contempt. And uh, when, 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 we, uh, when we develop an attitude towards familiarity, you know, of familiarity uh, towards uh, those who are used by God, uh, you know, it breeds a kind of disrespect and uh, we begin to look at them as, oh, he's my buddy, he's my colleague. And it becomes very hard to, to receive uh, what God has for us through them. We must honor and respect the anointing in the office that a man of God stands in, even if he's our relative or we grew up with him. And um, this is something that uh, Americans and Europeans don't understand, but I grew up in a culture. Our Middle Eastern culture is a culture of respect and honor. And so I remember when I, I'm going to share something very personal with you. When I moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, I was horrified to see how everybody called my pastor, Pastor Sam Smucker, by his first name. And I thought, this is not good. And of course, pastor himself wanted me to call him by his first name, but I refused because I realized this, that it is not so much for his sake that he wants to be on a pedestal or something, but it's for my sake because I want to maintain a healthy gap of respect. Because the thing is that even though he's my friend and he loves me and I love him, we go and eat breakfast together, he's not my buddy. Because if I, if I lose sight of the fact that he's my pastor and I, and I begin to look at him as a, as a peer, as a contemporary, then, then, then there comes a certain kind of uh, lack of respect for his position in my life that, he, uh, that God has put him as a spiritual authority over my life. And so it will become very hard for me to receive that which God comes, uh, you know, speaks to me through him, especially if it's something corrective, because I told him, you're my pastor. It is, it is part of your, um, part of your uh, uh, 
uh, your job to correct me if I'm wrong and my family, if we do anything wrong, you have to. And I said, I'm not American. I won't be offended if you try to correct me because you as my pastor is part of your job. If you see anything wrong in my doctrine, in my life, the way I treat my wife and my kids, please free to tell me. So that's why I refused to call him by his first name. I always called him pastor because I knew that God had put him in my life to speak to me. And, and it's the same thing, both with him and there's other authority figures in my life who God has used greatly to uh, speak to me and develop me. And a lot of what I am today is because of the people God put in my life to speak to me. So I've learned that there's a, uh, it's, it's for my own sake, not for their sake, not that they want to be put on a pedestal, but for me, I want to maintain, I call it a, a healthy gap of respect uh, because I don't want to get familiar. Uh, overly, overly familiar so that it hinders me from receiving what God has for me through them. But this was their attitude towards Jesus because here is Jesus coming ministering and they say, who does he think he is? We know his family and he couldn't do any mighty works there except to heal a few sickly people. And he says he marveled at their unbelief. That is the amazing thing because there were times he marveled at people's faith and now he marvels at their unbelief. And uh, this is a kind of unbelief that is caused by an overly familiar attitude and we, we just have to be careful and watch out for it. And uh, anyway, so uh, let's go to the next scripture. And in, in Luke 4, 33, 41, it says, in the synagogue, there was a man. This was when Jesus came to Capernaum. He says, in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake, spake amongst themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And there arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Uh, and he arose out of the synagogue, entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had, that had, that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and his, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, this is interesting. Jesus comes to Capernaum. He goes to the synagogue, as was his practice. And when he goes to the synagogue, there's a demon-possessed fellow there. And when he sees Jesus, he begins to cry out. He said, Oh, you Jesus of Nazareth, are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This is interesting because we read this several uh, places that people, you know, he, said he came to his own, but his own received him not. People didn't realize who Jesus was, but the devils knew him because the devils, uh, before they were fallen, uh, they had worshipped at his throne and uh, they knew who he was. He was the son of God. And so now uh, they were on the earth tormenting people. And now Jesus was walking 
on the earth and they recognized him. They said, Jesus, we know who you are. This is very interesting because uh, when, when, when I got saved, my dad, he, he, was, he was a Muslim and he was very angry, very distressed because his son had become a, 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 a Christian. And so he had brought this man who I knew and I knew him very well. And he was into witchcraft. Heavy. I mean, he used to see things in the spirit world and move around these evil spirits and all that. He, he spoke to evil spirits and they spoke to him. He could make them do what he wanted them to do and run errands for him. So I knew that he, he could make things uh, disappear, dematerialize, materialize. I mean, he was, you know, it was demonic stuff. And I saw it firsthand. So my dad brought him in. So uh, they put him in the bedroom next to me in the house and he spent three days praying to Allah and doing his things. And uh, then what he did on the third day, he wanted to see me. So I went there. I was, I was confident because I knew that Jesus in me was greater than all the devils in the world. But this man looked at me. He was so mild and gentle. He says, listen, I, I know what you are doing and you are doing the right thing by following Jesus because he's truly the Lord. I know it and I'll tell your father not to bother you to let you go because you are doing the right thing and I'll tell your father that if your son is wrong he will come back but he's doing the right thing. I was shocked but then I realized that this guy who, who, who kind of moved around in the spirit world he knew who Jesus was. He, of course he knew because uh, when, when, you, when you walk in the spirit world you know who God is, you know who Jesus is. So he knew who Jesus was. And so he, he kind of submitted to that, but he was good about it. He told me, he said, you are, he said, you are doing the right thing. And of course, my dad didn't want to hear that, but that was interesting because even the devils know who he is. But here's the thing, the devil spoke to Jesus and it says in verse 35, Jesus rebuked the devil, rebuked. And that Greek word is epitimal, that means to sternly scold somebody and that means you should get out of here that's it's like rebuke the devil not speak gently but very sternly rebuke the devil Jesus rebuked the devil and he said come out of him and the devil came out of the man now immediately from the synagogue he in verse 38 he said he arose out of the synagogue and went to Simon's house so Jesus comes he rebuked the devil okay he comes out of the synagogue and he goes straight to Simon Peter's house and Peter's mother has a fever. That's why it says she had a high fever. I don't know what the disease was, but she had a high fever and they asked him, you know what he did? Verse 39, he stood over her and rebuked the fever. The same word that epitimao is used here also. So Jesus rebuked the devil. Then he comes into Simon's house, Peter's house, and he rebukes the fever. In other words, Jesus spoke to the fever with the same sternness, the same way as he spoke to the devil. So he treated that fever in the same way in which he treated the devil. And then it says, uh, and, the, and the fever left. And then, then he says, verse 40, when the sun was setting, uh, they brought all these sick people uh, to him and then demons come, came out of people because he was rebuking them. The same word is used, epitimal, rebuke. So it's interesting because here we see in the scriptures from Luke 4, 33 to 41, that Jesus spoke to the demons, spoke to demons the same way 
in which he spoke to a woman's fever. Or you can turn it the other way around. He spoke to Peter's mother-in-law's fever exactly in exactly the same way as he spoke to the devil. Now, I'm not saying that she had a devil because the Bible doesn't say so. But my point is that Jesus treated disease the same way in which he treated the devil. For him, they were equally evil. The devil was evil. Satan and demons were evil. At the same time, sickness and disease were also evil. He hated disease the same way in which he hated the devil. He treated disease and sickness the same way in which he treated the devil. Because sickness and disease come from the devil and we should never, never, never accept sickness in our bodies. Even if you have had a long-term condition in your body, your attitude towards sickness should be the same as it is towards the devil, that it is not something that is God's portion for you. It does not belong to you. It is not yours. It is not a part of your inheritance or your heritage through Jesus Christ, but it is of the devil and that Jesus Christ is your healer and that he has borne all of yours and mine sins and diseases upon his own self and by his stripes we are healed and healing is our inheritance and a heritage and it belongs to us. Praise God. So that was my point. Treat disease the same way in which you treat the devil. And Jesus has power and authority over both. And in his name, in the name of Jesus, we have power and authority over both. And we hate both disease and we hate sickness and we hate sin. Praise God. That's what I want to share with you today. We go to our next lesson tomorrow. We shall continue about the healing ministry of Jesus. It's very fascinating to study all these things. And, and I would advise you also to get your Bible and study these things. And because you see, it's one thing when you learn something yourself, but it's another thing when you learn something in a manner that you can teach and encourage others. Uh, there's many people who need prayer and all those things, but but what will benefit them a lot is if you can teach them and teach them the realities of redemption. Help them to understand what Christ has done for them. Because if they understand that, that is a good foundation to build prayer on. You know, we minister to people, pray for people, but we shouldn't just be ministering and praying to people. We should be teaching people because it, when, when people are taught, they have something they can take home with them. And, uh, and they can live on it. So anyway, let's, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for them, pray for their families. I pray, Father, uh, that all their needs be met in spirit, soul, body. Financial needs, Father, their needs uh, for health and healing, Father, for every need they have, uh, because you have provided for us spirit, soul, and body. You bore our sin, you carried our diseases, you defeated the devil, and Lord, you are our provider in every area. And Father, we pray for uh, our friends, our brothers and sisters who are stricken with the coronavirus. I thank you for healing those that are out there who are sick and keep everyone safe. Bless every family. Lord, I cover everyone who hears my voice with the precious blood of Jesus. I cover them with the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over their families, over their homes, over their lives. And oh, even over me and my family, Father, let your blessings continue in our lives. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Well, God bless you, my friends. 
and see you tomorrow. And this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad.